It is Wednesday, and Pastor Dewey joins us for news and views. What about that, Dewey? Uh, Labor Day coming up, and uh, this will be the last weekend you can wear white. Is that the deal? What's that all about? Uh, <laughs> you, you don't know your fashion statements? I have no fashion, brother. Okay, is it something about not being able to, not supposed to wear white after uh, after Labor Day? I'm sure all the ladies can tell us all about it. I, I don't really care. Uh, you know, I don't know where that one came from. <laughs> well, I have I have no fashion sense either, and I I seldom wear white because I'm such a messy that I I can't uh, do anything but stain it. So I try not to do that. Hey, how are you today, my friend? You're you're talking to a guy who had a hiney haircut back in the '60s when long hair was in style. <laughs> Well, that was haircut. Yeah, that, that was two of us. I had, I had the same kind of a haircut when when that was going on. Anyway, <laughs> so you remember what a hiney haircut is? Oh yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> let me just tell you a quick story about that. Back in the '60s, Vietnam War was going on, and all the protests, and even in my small town that I grew up in, a lot of the kids started wearing shoulder length hair and you uh-huh. know rebelling against the you know the government and so forth, but. The local paper, the Cottonwood County Citizen, ran a contest that anybody with a hiney haircut can come into the Citizen, get their picture taken, and you get a free milkshake from the Pine Inn Drive-In. And by golly, I got all the milkshakes I want. <laughs> you mean they gave you more than one? Hey, you know, I'm so cute with that hiney haircut, you, they couldn't turn me down. I gotcha, I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Well, you should be doing that more often then. That is true, isn't it? <laughs> I just I just walk in and uh tell my barber and high and tight, let's go. <laughs> anyway, it looks better when it's short. I, I try to uh, no, go ahead. A picture in my I got a picture here on my office wall of myself and my brother Dave, uh both uh in our hiney haircuts with big smiles on our faces. It's pretty cute. <laughs> you should post that. I should. I'll do that today, brother. <laughs> Everybody, Everybody's going to love this. Everybody's going to love it. All right. Well, hey, man, yeah. isn't that... I was talking to some dear friends yesterday, Vicki and Lou Canavelli, who live right down the road from us at 10 Paradise Hills Methodist Church, and Vicki has survived cancer for now over 12 years. She still takes a chemo pill, but she is a miracle. And she you remember Vicki. She used to run A1 Travel here in, in Albuquerque. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the Cannavellis are very active in Paradise Hills Methodist Church. Lou has been on the board for many, many years. And uh, I was over there yesterday, and it was really great because we were talking about and I the old days and growing up, you know, in the, in the fifties and sixties, and it brought back so many memories. And I thoroughly enjoyed that, that conversation and it warmed my heart. And I'm so ever grateful for the friendship and love of, uh, Lou and Vicki. Mm-hmm. They, Hey Dan, they were, uh, we were on a cruise. Vicki and Lou invited us to go on a cruise with them. And that's when I had uh, proposed to, Sharon, you know, and so there's a lot of special memories with the Cannavellis. That is cool. That is cool. Yeah, there's something about talking about those those early days. And I, you know, it doesn't matter whether you grew up in the 50s, 60s, 70s. You just kind of love to go back and, 
and reminisce about childhood days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And what's really cool is in a in a conversation like this, and you go through the timeline now up until uh, almost 2018, and you talk about how society has changes, and then you look at what that equals, then you really know why we're in the mess we're in. Oh, that's absolutely right. I mean, let's face it, look at it, the the difference. When you and I started school, well, I know when I started school, prayer was still allowed in school. The Ten Commandments were still on the wall. Uh, And now, of course, uh, the only time kid prays is silently before they take a test, and there are no Ten Commandments. So, uh, Yeah, you know, I know this is going to sound harsh to a lot of people, but by golly, when Dan and I were in school and Dan played football, I did not. I was the student manager. But I tell you what, if nobody took their helmet off and stood up for that national anthem, they got their butt kicked off the team. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, man, you you paid for a high price for something like that later on, too. Everybody, all your all your buddies were prone to, would have been of a mind to meet you afterwards. <laughs> so, yeah, well, That's the thing, Dan. And, you know, it was never a problem, I know, for you and for and I. Nobody ever objected to standing for our national anthem. No. I mean, this was this was coming after a great sacrifice of men and women in the Vietnam War. And, and the thing is, uh, we were talking yesterday, the, the, the whole, a big part of the failure of the American society that historians will write about this country as it continues to fail is that it really took a downslide when we stopped educating our children in our schools and in our churches. When Sunday school uh, has has just, it's it's just not a a thing that is widespread anymore in the churches in America, Mm -hmm. and church attendance is way down, and then we let public education go to hell. Mm -hmm. It's it's interesting to note that, uh, I mean, it was by and large pretty standard that everybody that I went to school with was involved in uh, Sunday school and church. It was a rare thing that anybody was not in attendance at Sunday school or a church in those times when we were, when I was growing up and where I was growing up. And that's not to say that they were all believers and they were all Christians, that they all went to churches where, where the gospel was, was preached, but it was a standard thing. It was an expected thing in America at that point in time that, that you would be in church and Sunday was a, a revered day. I can still remember the, you know, the fact that uh, you had to get make sure your car had gas if you were going to go somewhere on Sunday because you weren't going to be able to stop someplace and get gas on a Sunday. On Wednesdays in Wyndham, Minnesota, the school buses would take us to our various churches that we belong mm-hmm. to so we could go to, and I can't remember the name of the class, but it was in seventh grade where we all went to our churches on Wednesday morning to take a special class. Hmm. And I can't remember what it was called, but I'll have to call my friends and find that out. But that's how much our community in Wyndham, Minnesota, supported Christianity and the basics of a fundamental, sound Christian society. But we did that. Public school buses, my dad was the transportation director, the local school board ran by the local citizens, not by a state government or mm-hmm. a federal government, yeah. gave us the freedom to do things like that. Well, it was uh, there was a more of a, a commitment toward one another, to education, and toward, quote, religion. 
uh, it was reciprocal. It wasn't just a one-sided type of thing. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, kids were encouraged to go to things like after-school Bible clubs, uh, whether they were, most of them were off-campus, obviously. The Gideons, I mean, every year you got that New Testament from the Gideons. I mean, it just <laughs> never failed. <laughs> you know, it was, which, yeah. But it was a great thing. When you were growing up in Illinois, did you guys, as kids and everything, and as, as you grew, grew older, even into high school and after high school, did you guys ever get tied up in denominations? I didn't, my my initial reaction was you, you knew who went where, but that really wasn't too much of a of an issue. Uh, we didn't have any cults in, in our small Illinois town. It was your standard mainline denominations and and then us offshoot bible believers uh <laughs> so no I, I wouldn't say that we ever got caught up in denominations uh, and the reason i brought that up is because i think we as a church family here in america have got too tied up in denominations and vicky and lou and i were talking about that yesterday mm. there's always going to be difference in doctrine but we all have different parts of the body that we fulfill and and, uh, you know, denominations weren't really a big thing with us. We all loved each other. And I- I'm telling you, my, you know, Sharon tells me I grew up in Mayberry, and I think I did. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get the same thing from time to time. Well, and all this, of course, there is no way to, to put the genie back in the bottle to uh, bring Pandora's, uh, uh, you know, to close the lid on Pandora's box. It's, uh, it's, it's gone. It's, it's a part of the history of America is part of what has made this nation great over the years, but it also explains to people who did not grow up in that generation why America is in the state that it is. It's and the, why so many people like you and I and many, many, many thousands of others fight for what is right and what what we know the solution, Jesus Christ. And as Lou said yesterday, we're going to hell. The end is near. Only God knows, but America will never be the same, but we also must still carry out the Great Commission. Well put. Well put. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree 100%. That's why when things like uh, Hurricane Harvey or any kind of other natural disaster comes, which really does capture the attention and and the ear of uh, American people, that it's so vital that the church at that point in time stand up and be a source uh, to to help physically because it's the only way we'll get the opportunity. In some cases, it's the only way we'll get the opportunity to help spiritually. Mm-hmm. The role of the church, you know, is, is, is always spotlighted during these tragedies. And what I would like the world to know, that's the everyday work of the church mm-hmm. in much of America and in much of the world. Yeah, yeah, every day there's somebody from the body of Christ who's doing something to reach uh, people in their own personal hurricanes in life. And the church is there, the body of Christ is there. Um, the The Lord's church is continuing to do its work. You know, we might look around and sometimes say, where's the church? Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ knows exactly where the church is. And many, many times the church is right there on the front line, right where she's supposed to be. Yes, sir. All right. I don't know where we were trying to go, but uh, that was a fun conversation. <laughs> well, I, you know, it was it was Dan, and it was yesterday with Lou and Vicky, and I came out of there higher than a kite because 
it made me even more determined to tell the story of America and the American church and mm-hmm. the role the church and Christianity played in the founding of America and uh, as America has thrived when it was thriving as a country. You know, the one thing, Dan, that I'm praying for is that even the church really look hard at where we're at at this time in 2017. It is ugly. It is really ugly. And it, it, but we cannot give up, but we also have to look at the world as it is, the world we live in, and deal with it from there. And we've got to peep, we've got to speak the truth, we've got to do it in tough love, but we've got to put the truth forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Joel Osteen on TV today trying to defend whatever happened with their communication and whatever. You know what? the church and pastors must tell the truth. And when we make mistakes, we must say we made a mistake, and we must confess that. We don't put a public public relations spin on stuff. Mm -hmm. It would have been something for him to stand there and say, you know, we really misjudged, we really made a mistake here, we really blew it, but we're going to make it right, we're going to do the right thing now. That would have been a, that would have been a good way to handle it. And and it would have been something that would have amazed the world. (laughs) <laughs> because we do blow it as believers in Jesus Christ. Well, thinking about this day and age, do I think about that uh, the general who is told the enemies to the north, the enemies to the south, the enemies to the east, and the enemies to the west. And the uh, general looked at the messenger and said, that's great, they won't get away this time. Yeah. Dan, the other, top news, the other top news story that I just don't think much of America is really looking at with clear eyes that we we must look at this. Vicky and Lou, I had Lou on KKIM at times, Dan, to talk mm-hmm. about news because he's so astute in that. He's uh, was a member of the U.S. Army. Mm. But uh, we must look at this North Korean situation as a direct threat to not only the United States but the world, and they mm-hmm. must nip this in the bud. It's going to be very difficult to do this without causing many deaths right right now this is one of those things that should have been taken care of long before uh the clinton administration opened the doorway for them to be uh, get nuclear weaponry this is something that should have been dealt with long ago by administrations far and wide yeah i really believe that uh israel needs to be called upon to assassinate this man this lunatic. He's a lunatic. I yeah. would let the Israelis handle that if they would. Hmm. That's a, not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. And I think I don't think the rest of the world would weep very much over the loss of Kim Jong Un. All right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I kind of compare this to, in some ways, to the situation with World War II when Harry Truman made the decision to drop the bombs on Japan. And that cost thousands of lives. But if they were like my daddy in a ship full of Marines ready to invade Japan, they were on their way. And Truman made the decision to drop the atomic bomb. And you and I have talked before how many lives Truman saved by making that decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're facing right now. And do we as a people have the willpower and does our president and his advisors have the willpower and the intelligence and the godly wisdom to make those decisions? I do not know if this president does. 
Well, and all, all waits to be seen. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, comment, despite uh, some of the early tweets and comments. There's it's been pretty quiet from the White House at this on these days. And we'll see. We will see. All right, Dewey. Love you, brother. Appreciate uh, appreciate the walk down memory lane and then some. <laughs> You're a good man. <laughs> love you, buddy. I love you too, Pastor Dewey Modi. Taking his uh, his honey haircut and. <laughs> <laughs> heading on on to other other work i'm hoping he puts that on his uh, fggam dot uh, org uh, or it just puts it on his website there i want to see that picture of him and his brother with their with their haircuts we'll see how that works out news and views with pastor dewey modi on this wednesday 30th day of august on the hub of new mexico